1: Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? It's time for Cover Two Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Cover Two Broncos. I'm Jeff Essery.
2: And I'm Joe Rowles. This is the last week Before Jeff and I start doing a deep dive into the Fangio defense. So just a reminder, if you have any questions about the Broncos defense, shoot them over to us at Joro underscore NFL, Jeffrey Essery, or cover two Broncos on Twitter. Um, and we'll be happy to get to them. So what are we doing today, Jeff?
0: Yeah, so we have another special episode today. We're excited to be joined by um, a guest from Pro Football Focus. And uh, we recently talked about, it was a couple weeks ago, we talked about Garrett Bowles and the Broncos tackle situation. Both you and I, Joe, dove deep into his film and kind of talked through it. And then kind of right on cue, we saw something bubble blah, blah, blah. We are always paying attention to the stuff that the guys out at Pro Football Focus are putting out. And um, something came out from... Ben Lindsay of um, Pro Football Focus about the underrated um, players on each team across the NFL. And Garrett Bowles, lo and behold, made the list. So we said, we got to talk to this guy about this. So Ben was gracious enough to uh, come on board and chat with us. So thanks so much for joining us and welcome, Ben.
3: Uh, Thanks, guys, for having me on.
0: Uh, Looking forward to it. So before we deep dive a little bit, tell us about um, how you got involved with Pro Football Focus, what's your background a little bit, and how long have you been there?
3: Yeah, so I went to uh, the University of Pittsburgh for engineering school, actually. Uh, Started out doing that, and I kind of found out, I was a big sports fan growing up, football fan, and I found out that some industrial engineers uh, had gone on to work in sports analytics. There was a guy who graduated and went to work for the Padres, um, so that, sort of signaled to me it was a possibility. I wouldn't be tracking paper inventory or whatever else uh, most industrial engineers do. And then I got a part-time job with PFF while I was in college, mainly data collection, Um, sort of worked my way up through there to
0: the role I'm in now.
1: That's really cool.
3: Very
0: cool. And we're gonna talk a little bit about kind of the PFF grading and all that kind of stuff. But just like when you you join PFF, like were you, were you a fan before and then you jumped in, like did anything surprise you when you got into it or what's one of the, like, I don't know, what's it like working at pro football focus?
2: Give give us a peek behind the veil a little bit.
3: Yeah. The, the big criticism of pro football focus is we don't watch the tape. Um, But that's exclusively (laughs) what what, uh, you do when you come in as a data collector, pretty much Um, you're watching, you're collecting. uh, And then once you sort of get up, move up towards the, potentially grading, um, you're watching more in depth.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we can kind of dive into that because I'm just fascinated. And before we get into like the bowls conversation, um, I think fans in general kind of see pro football focus, particularly their, the grading stuff as a bit of a black box and, and all of that. And but then there's this, you know, there's this whole other side that, that I always talk about of like I, I love the very specific stats that you guys put out and the way you cut the data and stuff that gives insights that not a lot of other people are doing. And so, talk to us about like what goes into a process for grading in general, or like what are you taught as you're coming up, or what you know, what are the what's the, going through the um, graders' minds, and what's the process for that. So the process,
3: to give a a semi-short version, the process is every play we're watching every player and they can get a grade anywhere from negative two to positive two on a play. It sort of goes in 0.5 increments um, based on what they do, varies by position. Um, A lot of plays are zero graded for a player. It's basically them just doing their job. And the big thing we're trying to capture is sort of process over results. The easiest example I can give for that is a quarterback um, puts the ball right on his receiver downfield, uh, the receiver drops the pass. So that's something that we're going to give the quarterback credit, but in the stats, it goes down as an incompletion. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's basically the thought process. We're trying to isolate how well a specific player does their job, regardless of what actually happens. You're,
0: that's
2: uh, you're kind of speaking to the two guys who are really big on process over results. So <laughs> there we go. Our ears.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's great because, uh, I mean, and I'll own it as well. Like I, I put out a piece a little bit ago and, you know, admittedly I'm not the most familiar with PFF's grading system and what goes into that. And so I think sometimes the misconception is out there and I, and I've had this and shared this before as well, that PFF is more interested in just logging results as opposed to process. So it's great to hear. And I'm like, I'm so excited that we're going to get to dig in and, and talk to you about this because, um, yeah. I think that's, that's a super important piece of it. Yeah. Happy, happy to do it. So I
2: guess, uh, to kind of go more specifically with the offensive line, then on a play where there's a penalty, for example, or a play that the, there isn't a penalty, but per se, like the player possibly could have gotten line. And, and I guess this is speaking specifically to bulls. Cause that was one area where I think w- me and Jeff both found some disagreement with, uh, kind of like, cause I know PFF has kind of been higher on bulls than I have for a while. Um, that was one area where I know when drew Locke kind of came in bulls play. He wasn't penalized as often, but when we went back over the tape, we definitely saw some plays where we thought he definitely looks like same as how he looked before when he was getting penalized. So I guess, did you see that when you were looking at that? And then would you grade that, uh, to reflect that if that makes sense?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Um, I think the, the big thing is if the penalty is called, um, that's a definite they're definitely going to get dinged and if it's not called um it's really a case of like if that guy is being put if he's played poorly if that's if he's in a bad position uh didn't block the guy and he's clearly holding that's going to get called the same way um as if he did get in penalty so it's not like black and white yes he got the penalty so there's a, a deduction uh no he didn't he Got the block, got away with a holding, possibly. So he's all good. Um, It's really just a case by case basis on whether we feel um, like he didn't do his job and he was holding as a result of that, even if it didn't get called, uh, or the
0: other way around. That
3: makes sense. So
0: so when you talk about did his job, and this will probably uh, probably the offensive line is where it comes up. Like I see on on Twitter a lot. I'm sure you know you, I'm sure you get this more than we hear it as well of like, well, how do you know what their job is then? So what is like, what does that process look like for you guys as you're going in, you know, and um, trying to survey all these different position groups and all these different schemes and stuff. How do you boil it down to, Hey, this is the, this is the job that, that we're going to grade this player on for this particular play. Yeah. No, one's going to know the exact
3: job of every player on every play. Um, we try to get as close to that as possible it's not a process that i'm so personally i don't i'm not reviewing uh grades uh game grades things like that that's something for our senior analysts who are have been doing this for years um but basically we bring in offensive line coaches um people who do this stuff and sort of watch and decide whether this guy was he supposed to pick this guy up Um, was it a blown block on a stunt Uh, Did he not pick him up when he should have things like that so it's not an exact science but we're trying to get as close as possible
2: yeah that makes sense um so i guess so then uh one of the things one of the things i think that does cause a lot of the confusion with the grades uh in general is that if i go to like pff right now and look up garrett Bowles, i'll see just one block number but i know if you have like a subscription you actually get like his running grade his passing grade his like different things. Um, So one thing with Bowles specifically that I thought would be interesting to ask about is where did he kind of really grade out well and what stood out like to you as you kind of like evaluate him compared to like some of the other tackles? Because if I remember what you wrote, like when you said he was underrated, you actually gave him, he's about league average. And that's, that's substantially better than a lot of Broncos fans think he is.
3: Yeah. The thing with Bowles is um, in our grading scale, he's been an above average run blocker. Um, Pretty much every year he's been in the NFL, Uh, and then if you look over the last three years combined, he's up in the top ten at the at the left tackle position. And when I went back and watched him, I think the big thing is he does a pretty good job of sort of walling off gaps um, and coming in on double teams, getting up to the second level, uh, that sort of thing. He's good in space. He's not someone who's going to go out and overpower guys one-on-one he's not going to drive a guy backwards pancake him um, sort of like Natani Muti's freshman tape at Fresno State (laughs) I don't know if you guys have seen that video but uh, oh yeah
0: it's been (laughs) circulating around Broncos country
3: (laughs) yeah so he's not he's not that kind of guy but he does he does do a good job of um, sort of keeping the lane open for the running backs
2: and and that kind of matches up with a lot of what i saw is that uh these are a couple of my notes from when i did my film studies. basically is uh his second level blocks are solid his mobility is definitely there his combo blocks look solid he does a good job impeding with his body so i definitely yeah. i agree and then yeah I, I saw the same thing he's not really a drive blocker in the same sense of like even like dalton reisner dalton reisner you definitely see that more yeah, um, sure. but so then uh how how does that compare i guess to his pass blocking stuff for you guys
3: yeah the pass blocking has definitely been worse um if you look at 2017 and 2018 he was right around like 20 mid 20s out of like 37 qualifiers um at the tackle position in pass blocking and some of those guys are guys who played partial years but played enough snaps to qualify um, mm-hmm. below him but last year he picked it up a little bit um performed a little bit better from a class pl- pass blocking grade perspective he still got beat up a couple times against better matchups guys like Justin Houston um Olivier Vernon a couple guys got to him early in the year but there was improvement there Uh, I think the main thing with Bowles is he just gets overpowered on the bull rush um, a little bit too easily that sort of even opens him up gives him a gives his guy a shorter path on the outside a lot of times
0: um, to get to the quarterback and when you talk, and this has been a big piece, I think, for us, and one of the things that we really wanted to dig into is th- this, because I think fans have heard, and there's been a bit of a you know conversation that the Bulls did improve last year, particularly in the back part of the year. One, because of the penalty numbers. The other, because of the sacks taken. And then, just in general, people weren't seeing, you know, I don't think they were seeing him as much. He wasn't getting called out as much. And Drew Locke was able to escape some pressure and things like that. And so – um, there's kind of in this narrative that Drew, that Garrett Bowles did have a, a more improved season. So you mentioned improvement. What, what are the, what are the things that looked different this year than maybe in previous years where it looked like there was some, maybe some incremental improvement from Garrett Bowles?
3: Yeah, I just, I think he did a little bit, jo- a better job of not getting overpowered. It still wasn't great. Um, but I think that, that play strength is improving a little bit. Um not losing as many times quick on the outside. Um, from what I saw, obviously there's still things to work on, but late in the season for us, he graded really well. And part of that was the offense changed a little bit when drew lock mm-hmm. came in, um, made his life a little bit easier. Uh, but they, there was improvement from bowls as
2: well. One one thing I thought that really helped with the offensive change was that they weren't trying to, they were trying to avoid vertical pass sets more often. And that was the area where I thought he was still definitely struggling down the whole stretch is just when he's locked in on like third and long and he just has to actually fan out and try and catch a guy that's when he's in trouble. But over the kind of like once Brandon Allen came in, they were trying not to get into that, but Brandon Allen just couldn't maintain it. Um, so like the Vikings game kind of got kind of shaky. Um, But but I, I thought for sure part of it was like the lions just weren't as good and that the, the Raiders, we're trying to abuse Jake Rogers with Max Crosby, but I thought the fact that bulls was holding up better in those situations, even if the matchups weren't quite as good. Um, do you think that that improvement could translate into 2020?
3: Yeah, I think the thing that we've seen with offensive linemen in general, um, not just bulls is that, uh, my, my colleague Timo Riske did a study on learning curves coming into the NFL. Mm -hmm. So basically how, how much you improve in year two, year three, year four, at different positions. A lot of positions, it's just, you sort of jump from rookie to second year and then plateau a little bit. Uh, offensive linemen, it's, it's particularly tackle. You get better in year two, you get better in year three, you get better in year four. Um, it's more of a linear thing, uh, which it, it bodes well for Bowles potentially figuring it out and improving again um, next season. Uh, with what Locke was able to do, uh, what the offense was like with Locke at the end of the year. They were running a lot of play action, um, a lot of rollouts screens more than they were early in the year with Flacco obviously. Um, And that, those stuff help an offensive lineman. They make their job easier. They slow the rush, uh, which is, which is part of it.
0: One of the things I think that we, Kind of went kept we, we went back and forth a little bit on bowls as we were watching the tape and I'd love to get your take on this of how you guys kind of look at this within your grading system is like how much are you guys focusing on the particularly on the offensive line I think because it's so technique driven is like the repeatable technique that they're that they're doing and you know and that gets into a little bit of a black hole because you're you're kind of you're, there's so many different nuances of the technique that you could um, critique or grade there. But say you know someone has they have bad technique, but then able to recover and drive the rusher away from the quarterback at the last second. What does that look like from a grading perspective? Because it I mean, and it's not it's no secret that's that's Bowles, right? At least from what we see on on tape, yeah. is his his feet and his recovery time enables him to get away. At least from our perspective, with bad technique. So what is how do you guys balance kind of those nuances as you're going into the grading piece? I think that could be some of the disconnect
3: because what, what we're really trying to capture with grading is um, even if it's ugly, right? If you, if you block the guy, if he's not getting pressure on the quarterback um, and really affecting the play, it's, it's going to be graded similarly to um, someone who does it with perfect technique. Obviously, if you have bad technique, you're going to get in worse situations more often. Um, uh, you're not going to be able to recover all the time. But someone who, who can recover and basically get the block done, get the job done, it's, it's not going to be graded all that differently.
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, and
2: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's definitely.
0: And I think that's that's an interesting discussion point, particularly for the offensive line, because, I mean, it is so technique-driven, but then there is a component of it of, You get your guy on the ground no matter how or get him away from the quarterback or do you know it's the it's I like how you guys um, phrase it in terms of just did the guy do his job because ultimately his job is to protect the quarterback and if he's able to somehow do that I think the, the biggest piece is the repeatability of that and so I think that's where it's it's encouraging to see the you know the trends that you guys have seen from a grading perspective of guys continuing on that linear path from a positive grade.
3: Yeah, I, I think the big thing with with that article I mentioned is the trenches are the area where you see the guys developing the latest. And I that's probably the biggest thing is is play strength, just being so different um, in the NFL compared to college uh, is a big part of that and technique. Um, but that, that does bode well for at least the possibility that he can keep improving.
2: And I know this is probably really hard to isolate just because there's probably very few examples of it. But do you think that might be compromised by the fact that Bulls is an older... Like, he came in the league old for a rookie. Does that p- potentially limit how much he could, you know, grow in this fourth season?
3: Yeah, I think so. I That's what that's, that's my fear like right? He's like 28, right?
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah, so that probably does play a role, um, at least physically, like he, that, he's not going to get... He's not growing. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I think that does play a role. But part of it's also just just technique, um, playing against better competition,
0: uh, things like that. Definitely. One of the things that is interesting that I think Denver fans, I mean, everybody's kind of myopic on their own team, right? And so I always say on the, on the quarterback side, Denver has been kind of spoiled with, or they were spoiled with Peyton Manning and then it went to a terrible quarterback play. So they really don't have, and you know, myself included, like, unless you're watching a lot of other quarterbacks on a regular basis, you don't really have a good feel for what a league average quarterback is because we've either seen Peyton Manning at the height of his, you know, Hall of Fame career setting records or Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. And so it was, it was really bad. And so maybe on that vein, you guys watch a lot of tackles. Y'all watch a lot of offensive line play. Denver may think Garrett Bowles is really, really terrible, but we don't watch a lot of other left tackles for comparison, at least the bad ones. I mean, I know we watched some really good ones to try to get some good baselines of what they should look like, but give us a feel for, as you mentioned, Bowles kind of grading league average on some of these. Give us a feel for what you're seeing out there just across the board in the NFL, particularly at the left tackle position.
3: I think the the thing is, there's a lot of bad tackles in the NFL. There's just the edge defenders uh, coming out sort of seem to have the upper hand. At that position where Bowles he hasn't been great um but he hasn't completely killed that offense at least in my opinion um he does get penalized a lot but i mean george fant just got 10 million dollars this offseason and he's played just about as many inline tight end snaps the last three years as he has at tackle um so, so go ahead
2: Oh sorry. Oh well, I was just going to say that was one of my big arguments for why Denver should have picked up the fifth year option for Bulls. It's just because the market is so it's it's so inflated because there's so many bad tackles that even though Bulls is I don't think Bulls is great. I uh in my film study I kind of came to the conclusion that you can win in spite of him kind of. Um he doesn't necessarily kill you but like he's not so good that you don't want him as your tackle. Yeah. You want to try and replace him. Um but that said like comparatively speaking like if Denver's as good as they hope to be this year, they're probably not going to be a position to really upgrade on that. So I thought picking up the fifth year option made sense just in case like it gives you flexibility, if nothing else, uh, do you, would you, would you kind of agree with that? Or do you think kind of leaving the door open to see like what happens this year is probably the way to go?
3: I think it does make some sense because if you move on from bulls without a succession plan, or even if you move on from bowls and you're planning to throw a young guy in there, um, young tackles, they often struggle um, no matter how good they are so I think if they're trying if Denver's trying to contend the safest thing is just going forward with bowls I agree that he's not someone you want necessarily you want to improve um, you want a better left tackle but I think the fifth year option to sort of keep him in there as an option made sense
0: I agree and I think the just to tag on to that point is there's probably like, I'd have to actually look at the list, but there's probably like ten to maybe twelve left tackles that you would actually want on your team, and the rest is just they're guys that are starting because they're there and they can fill a you know can fill a suit and not get hurt really.
2: I, I, yeah. yeah, I think I think that's a position that just has like a lot. It's a tier. it's a tier fall kind of thing.
3: Not to yeah. Add, the thing with with Denver is um, it's like what they're trying to bring in Wilkinson to compete with him this year but I don't think Wilkinson is better than Bowles. bulls. Um, and then the other option is maybe uh, Reisner kicking out the tackle. He's someone who graded really, really well for us at tackle at Kansas state. Uh, but I have no idea if that's something they're even planning to do or not. Uh, so I just think that it's a risk moving on.
2: On, on that note, and I know we didn't ask about this before, uh, but we had a lot of questions because everybody was really high on Muti when Mm -hmm. Denver got him. So there was a lot of people floating the idea that, well, maybe Dalton Reisner can just kick out to tackle and they can fix left tackle with Wilkinson, James, or Bowles. Um, Based on kind of what you know from Dalton Reisner's tape, and I know he graded really well because I I saw that too. um, Do you think that would be a possibility if they did kind of come around to that? Like if Muti was good enough to play guard? maybe not this year, but down the road. I, I think it is
3: a possibility. I didn't watch a ton of Reisner tape, but I know our, our lead draft analyst thought he could play tackle coming out um, of Kansas state. Uh, so I think, I think it's something they can try out down the road. It remains to be seen how effective it'll be, especially early. Uh, he played pretty well at guard last year for a rookie. Uh, so I, it's that's sort of taking two risks because then you move him out and throw Mooty in um, even though he's someone we liked it's still
0: someone who's had a bunch of injuries um he's young so yeah do you potentially downgrade at two positions as opposed to i mean you could potentially upgrade at two positions but then you yeah. also run the risk of downgrading at guard and then you're in you got two positions to fill essentially let's I do a quick um just a quick toss out there um We've talked a little bit about, you know, Mooty and and Reisner and, you know, Denver. I've, I've said a couple times here on the show is Denver kind of low key replaced their entire offensive line over the last two years. Besides Garrett Bowles, they brought in Lloyd Cushenberry. They've got Juwan James. They've got um, Glasgow, who's new as well. And then Dalton Reisner. What do you think in general of Denver's offensive line prospect this year and kind of what they're what they're looking like shaping up to be as a unit?
3: I'm probably, and PFF probably in general, is higher on the Broncos offensive line um, than a lot of people. Part of that is is Bowles. Um, but part of it is I like the moves they made this offseason. Glasgow is a good player. He's someone who graded above 70 the last three years at three different positions, um, which I know 70 doesn't sound super high, but for interior offensive linemen on our scale, that actually is high. Um, and Cushionberry in its center. I think and getting james back i think they're going to be improved over last year in Munchak's second season um so i I like i like their prospects on the offensive line
2: yeah glasgow is one when when denver first signed him i was probably screaming from the rooftops more than anybody expected because i (laughs) he's just he's a really good pass blocker i was really impressed with that um he held up against chris jones which not a lot of people can do that
3: no that's not an easy task
0: (laughs) Um, so we you mentioned a little bit before um, before we jumped on and started recording that you're you're doing a piece coming out pretty soon about uh, quarterback prospects over the last couple of years and kind of their different traits and stuff. And so everybody's favorite topic in Broncos country right now is Drew Locke and the excitement around him. Is he going to make it? Don't you don't have to spoil your list, but is he going to make it into your article at all? Or what do you what did you think about Drew Locke?
3: He might make an appearance. Um, I, I am a little bit higher on lock than than some people. I, th- I think he improved over his time at Missouri, um, even though that's kind of a it was kind of a weird offense. Um, doesn't exactly translate, but he graded well his last couple of seasons. He came in and he did some good things. He did some bad things um, in those five games last year. Uh, but I'm excited to see what he can do because that offense has a lot of talent around him. The Broncos are putting him in position um, to either see if he's the guy or to find out he's not, which I like. Um, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Uh, he has a lot of weapons to work with.
2: Yeah. I think both me and Jeff have talked about it before about, I think they couldn't have approached this offseason much better from that perspective, because if you're going to try and find out if Julak's the guy, do everything you can to take away all the excuses. And I think Elway did that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. We mentioned that you'll be kind of talking through a little, a little teaser for the piece. We'll be looking for it from Ben. We'll drop his Twitter handle as well into um, the article. So you guys as you're listening can go check out his piece when it drops, but um, maybe just, quickly away from the Broncos who's your favorite quarterback when you're talking about the quarterback prospects from 18, 19 and 20, right? Um, Mm -hmm. who's your favorite prospect out of that group? I don't I mean, that's the group that we've all been looking at a lot too in Broncos country because everybody's needed a quarter. We've needed a quarterback for a while. So who did you like out of there? I think the the three guys for me,
3: um, who I probably look to first are Kyler Burrow and Mayfield. And I'm actually – I know people hate Baker Mayfield right now. Uh, they're super down on Mayfield. And he wasn't great last year. But if you look at something like passer rating, it's going to paint a worse picture. He was actually, like, sort of middle of the pack and PFF great a quarterback. But I just think the sample size we've seen with multiple years at Oklahoma with great play and then as a rookie to come in and do what he did, i I, I still – it's a, it's a hot take, but I would still take Mayfield of that, of that group. I don't think it's Speaking of my day. language. I'm I,
0: yeah, I, yeah. I like Mayfield. i a, a Sooners fan. So I was a huge Baker Mayfield fan and I like kind too. So too. Yeah. I, uh,
2: I mean, I, I like Oklahoma enough, but I would say that back when Denver was looking to possibly take a quarterback in 2018, that he was my number one guy. And I know last year was rough, but also Freddie kitchens didn't know what he was doing. So it's, it's hard to blame all that on Baker so yeah i think he'll be in
3: such a better position uh next year
2: and i think he's in a good situation for him now like the play calling actually might make sense for him so that'll be good um i also like murray more than a lot of people did it was kind of interesting uh last year i would i had murray as my number one quarterback and i had a lot of broncos fans who knew that elway would never consider him if he even did fall who basically told me well he's too short and he plays in a spread so he's just not going to succeed i was like if you adjust the offense, he, he's going to be really good. Yeah, And I still I'm, – I'm very, very high on the Cardinals this year.
3: If you're not adjusting your offense uh, to your quarterback, you're doing it wrong.
2: Yes. Agreed. <laughs> After hearing what you said about the Broncos offensive line, uh, what would you say, first of all, or what are areas of concern that you would have for the Broncos first and foremost, and then do you have any predictions for their uh, – like for what 2020 is going to kind of hold? Um, yeah. Do you think they make the playoffs, like that kind of stuff?
3: i think the biggest area of concern right now is probably for me cornerback um i know they have they brought in Boye, who had a couple really good years kind of struggled last year so it'll be interesting to see if he bounces back um and then the number two cornerback spot is kind of up in the air uh with if you are saying Cal hands in the slot so i i think that's probably my biggest area of concern as far as overall outlook i do really like their roster um, like i said they've surrounded drew lock with a lot of talent on offense um, they have a lot of good pieces on defense especially that defensive front um, the safety tandem i like all that so i think there is a good chance that they can get that wild card spot or a wild card spot in the afc i don't think they're going to push the chiefs uh, that's kind of a herculean feat Right now with Mahomes, but I I do think they're in good position to challenge for a wild card spot.
2: One last one, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna kind of put you on the spot because I know I didn't warn you about this. Do you have any thoughts on Alexander Johnson? Because he kind of came out of nowhere last year. I just finished a film study on him, um, but I know at one point because I listened to Broncos Country Night with Benjamin Albright, and at one point he had uh, I think he had Eric Eager on. He was talking about how like Alexander Johnson was phenomenal by grading stuff um and I, yeah. I thought too uh so do you have any kind of kind of share like what you thought thought about him
3: i haven't watched a ton of johnson but i do know he really pops um grading last year he's he was one of the highest graded linebackers in the nfl played well in coverage um did the things you want to see from your linebacker so uh the broncos fans should be excited about him
2: awesome yeah i'm i'm pretty excited i'm excited to see what year two kind of holds for him actually Playing because he came he came from out of football so like there is some hope that he kind of has like a little bit more in him I think as he kind of adjusts to like the mental side stuff
3: so I'm excited yeah that's a big thing for linebackers uh just the processing going going to the NFL um, zone coverages things like that
0: well Ben thank you so much we're this has been a lot of fun uh, and hopefully for the listeners to be able to peel back the curtain a little bit on uh, pro football focus and. Make sure you follow him. Um, you give us your Twitter handle. Uh, make sure that uh, we'll put it on the in the article. But tell us where we can find you at um, on Twitter, Ben. My Twitter handle is PFF underscore Lindsay, um,
3: and all of my article content is over at PFF.com. com. Perfect. Thank you so that much. Is,
0: yeah. That has yeah, been yeah thank you for having Thanks. me Thanks for on. Joining us.